What is melody? Melody is a lot of things, and it's the one thing I firmly believe you can't teach. Can't teach somebody how to write a great melody at all. I've been composing since I was 12. I'm almost, I'll be 48 this year. And um, I can only say that when a good melody comes, it's not from me, it's from God. I don't know how the melodies even happen. But you can analyze them. You know, people say, well, look at, look at Beethoven, Ode to Joy, you know, you know. You know, that, that one, that's a great melody. Now, is it great because it moves around in, in, in a scalar thing? It doesn't leap a lot. But the other, there are other melodies that leap like crazy and do all kind of things. Uh, everybody remembers Bally High or whatever, you know. It's <laughs> you know, like, a nice leap. <laughs> you know, I mean, so that's a leaping melody. Um, so in a way, you can't lump all melodies in one box and say, well, in order for it to be a great melody, it has to work by scales or do great leaps or... But one thing's for sure, it has to be lyrical. That's why the Italian uh, opera, the great compositions of Verdi and Puccini were so incredibly popular because they were so lyrical and they were soaring and you remembered them once you heard them, you know. Those great arias became famous. Or in pop music, like a great Beatles tune, like Michelle or something like Eleanor Rigby. One prerequisite for a great melody is it, it has to be singable in a way. Like to become something that finds its way into the hearts of like a massive number of people all over the world. It has to be something that people can feel like they can own it too. Mm. I think that's one thing that makes it so beautiful. Other melodies that we tend to write sometimes in jazz that are more angular are fun and different, like melodies that are more sprightly. You know, like historically you have precedents like say in Vivaldi, The Four Seasons where the you know, first fiddle player wigs out and everybody loves it. <laughs> and um, or the Bach double violin concerto or something like that. It's great and, it, and it's moving rapidly and it's also lyrical in its own way, but it's a different kind of melody. It's more about the, the motion and the rhythmic energy of the melody. Mm. So there again, I, you know, you can contradict yourself all day. What's a good melody? Mm. How about, what's a bad melody? Ah, okay. Try that a one. bad melody would be something that's not lyrical at all. And, and, and this, again, is, this is kind of subjective because then you... That's okay. It's like, true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, 12-tone um, music and stuff, there were the great ones like Schoenberg and Berg and Webern. And then there was a bunch of guys that came after them where if you heard one of their pieces, you would go, what melody? Hmm. It was a tone row, right? Hmm. So they picked 12 tones and it was very mathematic Mm -hmm. and very logical and maybe well crafted but maybe not so moving mm -hmm. so there I stumbled on something by action I think a great melody moves people too I think that's a component okay so now I'm going to give you some other things to think about you play these two instruments here yeah. they're lovely charming instruments and you are noted for your phrasing but because they're two different instruments can you give me an example, and I think this would be really interesting for my listeners, of the same melody 
but playing on both instruments and showing how you phrase them differently because of the nature of the oh, two okay. instruments. So, right. I mean, we could even do a thing where maybe Yannick comps for you to play some, whatever tune you want, but just yeah, yeah, show yeah. how you would phrase it differently. Um, okay. It's a good idea, isn't it? Yeah, no, it's nice. <laughs> and I can't do uh, it with anybody else apart from maybe Gary Husband if I do it, if I'm playing the same melody on two different instruments. Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, let's say we do um, uh, Alone Together. Okay, Alone Together. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, Alone Together. Okay, okay. So, so if, we, if we were here, one... Okay, that, that's fine. That's good. So, so you now, want me to try on the other one? Okay. Whip out that big bad boy. Okay. And and then now let's hear a different uh, approach to it. Yeah. Now. Because for me, because I'm the same guy, and I and I um, when I play a melody like that, I tend to think similarly. You'll hear maybe subtle differences. I don't know. Maybe it'll sound more than subtle differences to you. But um, to me, it's interesting. But they it will sound quite different in, in its own way. Let's see okay. how it works. Great. Let me just sit like I like to do. Okay. Play this bad yeah. boy. There it is. Okay. One. Okay. Two. One. Two. Three. So that's yeah. another way to do it. Right. So that's, okay, now, here's the thing. Let's say somebody said to you, okay, I want to do it alone together, but I want to do it as a really fast Latin tune, for instance. Then you'd have to yeah. phrase the melody differently. Totally different. Okay, so just give us a quick example like, uh, of that. Like, like uh, uh... Thank you. 
Anyway, yeah. we're going to the yeah, yeah. <laughs> so all, all we can go on, Yeah, it changes. Yeah. Any any melody will change colors with different tempos. Right. I mean any any good melody has enough stuff in it, like enough complexity and enough depth to where guys have done many different treatments of great melodies. I, I liken it to like sometimes I do a lot of reharmonizations too of old hymns. Sometimes those old melodies are so sturdy. You can mm. hang eight million chord changes mm. on them, Indeed. and uh, and they'll they'll do quite well. You mentioned the singing thing. A lot of people have talked about the fact that a melody must sing, and also to make their instruments sing. Yes. Talk about some of the actual things that you do with this instrument, for instance, the double bass to make it sing. Your use of vibrato, your use of sliding, well, your I use mean, of getting different tones, playing different places. Uh, with your right hand, you know, all those kinds of ways you make the instrument sing the way you want it to sing. Yeah, at, at this point, I don't even, I have my eyes closed most of the time when I play this. It's interesting, when I play my electric bass, a lot of times I'm sort of watching because um, physically the notes don't feel so different from each other because it's a, it's a flat board that kind of just goes and you just play and you watch to, where, to know where you are. A lot of times when I'm playing this, I have my eyes closed because mm. you measure and you learn how to do it by feeling. On both instruments, uh, in order to make them sing, you have to phrase. I I've always worked on trying to make my phrasing uh, more expressive, like the great horn players I hear. Like a lot of times, bass players, to me, they don't have as many different articulations as they should. Mm. They play a lot of short notes, not enough singing mm. things. And it takes a lot of listening, actually. It, uh, to me, it's not so much a technical thing as having the sound inside of you and then finding whatever you need to do to get it out. Exactly. So that's, for me, it happened in a more organic way. Now when I'm forced, when I teach, I'm, I'm forced to explain what I do. And it's a little wild sometimes because if you, if you say to somebody, okay, how do you explain the way a Delta blues person plays like a melody like uh, Jesus is on the main line when they go... that go into like a few bars of that when do you slide when do you sort of like screw around with the um the major and the minor third playing in between them pitch wise like the way they sure. sing the notion that there's a blues scale is a joke it's it's a it's a, it's a whole culture and it's not just a little scale that you right. play that's a it's it, that's uh it's a very narrow way of looking at that mm. it's a whole idiom it's when do you slide i mean some of it's feeling some of it's when i think of that i think of a voice or a dobro or a guitar, the uh -huh. way those guys play. Sure. Yeah. So, um, and on electric bass, I okay. find myself having to... See, with the acoustic bass, you've got no frets. So, unless you play fretless, which I do sometimes, but I, I tended to stay away from that after I heard Jocko, because I had so much respect for what he did that I wanted to find my own way. Exactly. Which I wound up finding with the six-string. But... That gave me another challenge, you see, because with frets, to make it lyrical and sing and connect everything, you have to adapt. Like, say, you want to play in a sentimental mood. I do want to play it. Okay. And then now you have to, you don't have a, like this, with the acoustic bass, I sometimes use the bow because I was trained in classical music, so that gives you a lot of sustain, right? Here, I have my strings quite a bit higher than a lot of younger players because I like to have play in the string and I want to be able to vibrato. So it really helps me when I'm saying... 
know. I'm not picking every note. forced to find other ways um, that's what I work with my students on on this instrument the electric basses I don't I don't pick every note I don't just play I don't play every note I don't play them all long I don't play them all short I have to find ways to make it vocal a singer singer doesn't use one articulation they use millions mm. horn players that's where I learned mm. how to play that stuff really listen to great horn players and you, you know. don't play each note at the same dynamic no that's another thing that's really kind of hard to teach. Because <laughs> that's from learning from listening to music. You know, Yannick plays the same instrument as me, so he understands this. You know, to get this thing to sing, you have to be informed with a lot of other things besides just bass. Mm. Even if you break down, even in, in your foundational part of your playing, like, you know, just grooves and stuff, every note is not the same volume. That's how grooves happen. Just like those. some notes are ghosted, like, you know, you hear James Jameson play something, he doesn't play everything the same volume with the same exact attack. Mm. Some notes are ghosted, some notes are played long, some notes are held, some notes are shortened. Mm. It's the combination of all these things, and if you can, the thing is, in all those things, you really learn those by feel after a while. You mm. can't sit there and go, well, I'm going to play this note really short, and this one a little, you know, you yeah. can't measure that stuff. Mm. Mm. Exactly. Yeah, it's an oral, A-U-R-A-L thing. <laughs> it's, a, it's a family show as you say yeah. <laughs> Radio Richard